Praise the Lord, everyone. How are you tonight? I said, how are you tonight? Praise the Lord, all y'all in the back. I want to make sure that you, uh, you, you focus on me up here tonight. Amen. It's good. To, it's Christmas season, and I hope that everybody's having a good Christmas season. I got back from a few days spending it with my family, and I'm so thankful that I got a few days with them um, in one room. Uh, there's something special about family at the holiday season. So I hope you get some time with your family. Well, tonight we're going to dive into the Word of the Lord. Now listen, those of you that are online, I hope you like, share, and comment on this. Um, I'm really looking forward. This Sunday, we are going to be in service with um, uh, the Cofields at Global Grace talking about what we are doing, the orphanages that we have and support in the country of India. And uh, wow, we're up to 2 million meals now. They just crossed that threshold just a few days ago that we have helped provide. Um, if this church has helped provide some children in the last eight years. So it's pretty amazing that we've been able to serve that in the country. While we do everything else in Columbia, Sister Chokentaw, check out um, on my Facebook page or the Chokentaw's uh, Facebook page what's going on at my father's house. And if you haven't, please. Uh, go online and sponsor one of those kids. Download the app. Uh, Sister Candace Tackett will help you with those things. And uh, we have a lot going on. But we're going to be raising some money and uh, thinking about what God's going to do, help us do in the country of India. So we're going to continue that. So uh, this is our last Wednesday night for the year. Um, we will have Wednesday night starting on the 10th of January, on the 10th of January. And so uh, you don't want to miss that on the 10th of January. Uh, we got a lot planned, so make sure you check our Facebook out and get in touch with somebody. So have, have a few announcements this, this evening. So we got a lot going on in Jesus' name. Tonight we're going to finish our series on Mind Monsters. Everybody say Mind Monsters. Mind Monsters. Oh, say it like you're scared. Mind Monsters! Ah! Uh, mind Monsters. Remember I say there's no fear in love. Amen? Amen. There's no fear in love. So we're going to talk about it. So we have talked about fear. We've talked about combating fear. We've talked about how that we've got to be careful what we watch and read and listen to. We've got to be careful, be good stewards of our lives so that we do not allow the enemy to come in in areas that God has delivered us from. Amen? And uh, so our minds are the battlefield of our souls. What are minds? I, I was talking to us last week about the fact that your brain is an organ. And uh, I have gotten several questions about this, and I'll be doing some teaching this coming year, about how your brain is an organ. Your mind comes from your brain, right? But when your brain isn't well, your mind isn't well. And we talked about how that we've got to, we've got to let our mind be in Christ Jesus, right? And how that our mind is the battlefield of our souls. What our mind, what we, what, and by the way, whatever we want, whatever comes in is what's going to come out, right? Negativity in, negativity out, right? Those are a principle that is absolute. So we got to be careful with our minds, the mind monsters, those, those things that don't belong in there. Amen? So tonight we're going to finish this series, uh, this three-part series on mind monsters. You can go back. 
Uh, we've been teaching this for the last couple weeks. You can go back and watch this um, here on Facebook, um, on our church Facebook page. Uh, so let's go uh, directly to the word of the Lord. Let's pray together before we start. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for all you're doing for us and with us. Lord, we ask that your presence reside in this room and online, Lord. Every home, every car, every business, every job, Lord, touch them tonight. Lord, bring strength to them. Let them know that they are overcomers in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout amen. amen. So tonight, mind monsters. Let's go. Faith. Everybody shout faith. F-A-I-T-H. Focus on the positive. Everybody shout focus on the positive. Focus on the positive. Yeah. That's a little acronym for faith. Focus on the positive. Affirm yourself. Did you know you got to talk to yourself? you got to say, I am overcoming. I am delivered. I am forgiven. I am righteous. That's how you affirm yourself. Not in your own self, but affirm yourself where? In Christ Jesus. Affirming that I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Imagine God doing something good. Instead of imagining the enemy doing something bad. Amen? Imagine God. God's going to do something good out of this situation. He's going to get the glory. Trust God in everything. That's the toughest one right there. Trusting God in everything. The scripture talks to us about in everything, give thanks, right? Uh, that's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's hard when you're going through trials or things you don't understand uh, to give thanks. And then lastly, hope for the best. Hope in Christ. Amen? So f focus, affirm, imagine, trust, and hope. Those are the places of faith that God is calling us to. Just a little acronym to help you remember um, that you need faith, not fear. Fear is not of God. So let's go to Philippians. Paul writes to us. Uh, Paul is the Apostle Paul writes to us to the church in Philippi. And he's writing here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Let's read it together. And now, dear brothers and sisters, that's you and me. He says one final thing. I taught this. I read this last week. I read it the first week because it's such a foundational scripture in this study. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts. That word fix means focus. Be laser focused on what is true. We have truth is such a moving target in this hour. Uh, it has been for every generation, by the way. In the 60s it was moving, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, 2000s. And in today's world, it's even more so, it would seem, uh, that truth is subjected to whatever people feel or whatever they think. Not based on faith of God or his word, but what we feel. Well, I don't think God would do that. Or I, I think it looks like this. Or I think the universe is that. And I think, and we get to the I thinking instead of saying God's word says. And God's word tells me. And God's word dictates, right? We allow ourselves to be our own gods. Did you hear what I just said? Amen? We allow ourselves to say, I think. That's what God said. You know, he... he, he it's, it's important that we recognize. Fix your thoughts. I, I, I like to just pull that out. Just fix your thoughts. <laughs> fix them uh, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. I'm going to say think about. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then in verse 9 is really the focus of this study tonight. Is keep putting into practice. Say that with me. Keep putting into practice. We're going to talk tonight about continuing, 
being a disciple of Christ is not something you do once. Defeating your mind monster is not something you do and it quits and it never comes back. The mind monster comes every single day of your life. You breathe, it's going to be there. The enemy of your soul does not take a break. He doesn't go to sleep. He's not on a hiatus. No, the enemy of your soul partnered with your flesh. They come together to seek the things that are not of God. They want pleasure more than power from God. They want their own will, not God's will. They want their own way, not God's way. They want to listen to their own words, not God's word. So we see here that Paul instructs the church in Philippi, you must keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, he says. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. I often, people come to me and say, Pastor, I just have no peace. I need you to pray. I, if I get people requesting that I pray for their peace once, I promise you every week, it's multiple times. Pastor, pray that I have peace. I just don't have peace. I don't have peace. And a lot of that comes from the fact that we haven't fixed our thoughts. Our thoughts are messed up. Our thoughts are screwed up. Our thoughts are twisted. They're in chaos. Our thoughts are not in a place that is pure, lovely, right, true, right? And so we don't keep putting into practice. We forget to practice our prayer life and our reading of the word. We forget to practice that we speak affirming. We don't speak negativity. That we speak our mouth is, 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 is like a sword. Our tongue is like a sword. And it brings life or death. We speak life in our lives. Someone say amen. I was talking to someone today and they were talking about, well, and I just don't know, and I think this. And I said, whoa, whoa, time out. No, you got to stop that. You, may, you don't speak as it is. You speak as you want it to be. You speak as God will, will speak in your life and let him work in your life. But you have to put on that whole armor of God. Amen. And one of them is, of course, the helmet of salvation. You got to believe that God can do what he said he can do. So keep putting to practice all you've learned. Then the God of peace. Then, notice that word, then the God of peace. You've got to do some things before God's peace comes to you. Did you hear what I just said? You can't just pray for peace. You've got to act on the word of God. Then God's peace will come. And uh, that's a hard thing for some people to understand. They think it's a prayer that they pray or the preacher prays. And they want me to pay, and I, and I ask them often, you know, are you doing God's will and you obeying his word? Because if you're not doing his will and obeying his word, you will not have peace. You will not have peace. I, I love it when people uh, tell me, oh no, I have total peace. And their life does not speak that. Matter of fact, their Facebook accounts don't tell me that. Because <laughs> they spend all their time complaining about something. Um, that's not peaceful. Someone say amen. So... Let the God of peace, but you've got to act on these things. Pure, lovely, good things, excellent, praiseworthy. You've got to act as if in faith. So let's say amen. So we need to practice. Say practice. Practice, practice, practice. Practice makes perfect, right? They tell me that the Beatles, some probably one of the greatest group of people, musicians, that played in art in my lifetime, um, they say the Beatles were of near perfection. When you listen to the Beatles, their timing and their rhythm and their cadence, they say that they are one of, some of the few... Now, that was before auto-tune. It was before all the technology that they, the artists use today to keep things in time and make their voice out uh, in tune and all these other things. 
They say that the Beatles, and they asked them about this in an interview very many, many, many years ago, and they asked the Beatles, and they said, before we hit the shores of North America, we had played over 20,000 hours together. 20,000 hours before they ever came to America. They said, we knew that we could not be great without lots and lots and lots and lots of practice. She said, so when we would play concerts in these little halls around England, we didn't see it as, as you know, we're just going to play for these little, no, we saw it as practice and people got to listen. And, uh, and it was, it's an interesting concept and understanding that 20,000 hours of musical practice before they considered themselves ready to become, and they become one of the greatest bands to ever, to ever gather. So um, we learned from the Beatles tonight here at Pineview Church. Um, <laughs> but it's a great example of what man can do when he puts his mind to it, right? And it's true of all of us. Disciplining our lives and our minds is one of the toughest things, hardest work, hardest exercises we will ever do. And it's very important that you practice. Now that word practice, I always tell my doctor that they're practicing medicine. So when they tell me to do something, I'll say, are you just practicing right now or is this really the truth? <laughs> and sometimes they'll say, no, this is the truth. This is a scientific fact. And sometimes they'll say, well, we don't know all of this. We're practicing this right now. And I appreciate the honesty, but that's why you find them practicing medicine because they don't know everything. They're always learning. And so should we. Practice discipleship. Practice discipline in your life. The spiritual disciplines of your life are so very important. Hebrews 12 and 11, Paul writes and says to the church uh, in Rome, he says, uh, he says for, I'm sorry, not in Rome, but in Hebrews, he says, for the moment all, from the, for the moment all disciple, discipline seems painful. My brain is in disciples. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields what? The peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let me read that again. For the moment all, the minute you say, man, all this prayer, man, it's just, whew, it's a drudgery. Man, I'm having a hard time. Man, the minute you see it, now we all have days that we go, oh my goodness, I can't pray. It seems like everything's hitting the brick wall, right? We all have those days. I'm not talking about those days. I'm talking about in a general sense that we dread coming to God's house. We dread. We know we need to be saved, but it is no longer a passion or a joy or peaceful. You need to recheck your spirit and realize that God has us places and takes us through things in order to help us have better discipline, better discipleship in what he is trying to train us. Do you know he's trying to get you to eternity? And so therefore, in your flesh, he's going to allow you to see things and understand things and have trials and things so that you can Get ready, amen, to be righteous in the sense of being in heavenly places. It will later yield all peace, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained. Now, we can all go through something. How many know if people have gone through things and you go, my goodness, they didn't learn one thing in that situation. They just, they're like life on repeat, right? Um, you know, they, they go back through the same trial, the same tribulation. They choose the same wrong person over and over and over again, right? They seem the, the, the same wrong situation over and over again. And you want to help them, but you can't. All you can do is love them and be there and 
listen to them and not judge them, right? But understand that we can observe and say they're on they're on a wheel. God's got them on a wheel because they just refuse. And your soul is more important to God than your pleasure here on earth. Your comfort on earth is not God's number one plan. It's your soul in heaven. That's what he's got for you. Someone say amen. amen. Sometimes we have a hard time putting those two together. But it's true. Um, we, we miss that sometimes. So here's how discipleship works. Let's look at this. God gives us things to add and subtract in our lives. How many know that, right? We add hope and faith and we, we subtract what? Sin and shamefulness. And there's, some, there's a list, right? The things that we know, right? Fear, that's right. We, we subtract some things, but we add some things. We're, we're in the world of addition and subtraction. And in our lives, we need to understand addition and subtraction in the kingdom of God. But God is trying to get us to a place where there is divine multiplication in our life. I've watched people understand the concept of giving and generosity and tithe. And when they get it, when they understand it, they're not giving out of duty. They're not mad about it. They're not upset about it. They're not regretting it. But it's, it's because they do it out of passion and love for the kingdom of God. And where it's taking us, it, there's, a, there's a multiplication that happens in their life. And it's not just in this area. It's in every area. When you start serving people in this way, when you start serving the house of God, when you start serving the community in this way, it becomes something amazing in our lives. So let's look at something, an example of this multiplication that I want to teach you about and understand. So, there's multiple things in these verses uh, that I'm going to cover. But, uh, we find Jesus in Luke 18, 38. And he's with the blind man and, and he's, he's crying out, right? And this is the story very familiar to us. Um, and the Bible says in 38, and he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have what mercy upon me? He's, he's crying out. Now, we know, and they would went before rebuked him we know this story the people that are around him hey be quiet man that's what are your, what is your you know you know don't bother jesus and he was in the most need of all of them and he needed healing they rebuked him that he should not that he should hold his peace and he should hold his tongue shut his mouth but he cried so much the more so much the more he did not let those around him dictate his blessing nor his healing in his life he did not let what they thought of him be more important than what he knew jesus was capable of doing in his life he had not saw him he had heard about him and he believed what he had heard and therefore he began to cry out thou son of david have mercy upon me and jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him and when he was come near he asked him watch this what he says saying what will that I should do unto thee? Now, Jesus saw him, understood very quickly that this man can't get to me because he's blind. He don't know where he's going. Hear me today. Some people say, well, Jesus knows where I'm at. Why don't he just heal me? He knows what I'm going through. Why does he just fix me? How many of you have heard that or felt that, right? We've all been that place. Well, why, why do I have to ask? And here's what Jesus saw his need. Jesus knew who he was. And yet, he got brought to Jesus, and Jesus, the first thing he says to him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? He didn't say, I see that you're blind, I'm going to heal you. No. He made the man confess with his mouth. <laughs> 
Faith is what you confess with your mouth. When it's out here, it becomes what? It becomes a declaration. When it's in here, it's just a thought, right? But when it comes out of your mouth, now it's part of what you will and do. So in this moment, we find that Jesus, he says, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Although Jesus already knew. And he said to him, receive thy sight, right? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, he says in verse 41, uh, that I, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him immediately, receive thy sight, thy faith. Everybody say, my faith has saved thee. Now, it's interesting because he received his sight, but Jesus doesn't say, well, man, that's awesome. You got your sight. Jesus said, no, your faith that you have to receive your sight has actually saved your sin-sick soul. It's actually saved you. And I find it so interesting that if we will learn that this operation of faith comes, that Jesus will get things we don't ask for. <laughs> when we ask a contrition rightly, righteously, when we ask things that are not wants but needs, hear me today, Jesus Christ will come in and he will do by our faith things we don't even ask for. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, gave praise to God. Here's a, here's a great example of a witness, right? He didn't just take it and run away and nobody saw it and nobody heard about it. No, he, he, glory, he got up and shouted about it. Someone say amen. He got up and testified about it. He got up and was a living testimony, right? And people said, oh my God, I remember you. Yes, I've seen you all my life. Yes, I've seen you beg on the street. Yes. And they were able to glorify God with him and they praised God. They were like, oh my God. They became believers in who Jesus was. You understand that? So it's an important example. He started out, right, with people saying, don't. The same people that glorified God and gave him praise in the end were the same people saying, shush, leave him alone, be quiet. Right? Very important. Right? So you can train or change the atmosphere by being persistent in your faith. Change the atmosphere and being persistent in your asking of God of things that you need. It's important that you recognize this. So, in Jesus' name. Someone shout in Jesus' name. Uh, come on, someone type in Jesus' name. Amen? In Jesus' name. What happened? Watch this. Recognize. Someone shout right. Write this down. Recognize. These are three things you need to understand how to move to multiplication. And that is recognize mind monsters. Rebuke. The Bible lets us see that he was rebuked and told to be silent. How many of us do not do things because we're worried about what other people will say about us? We don't walk in the spirit. We don't listen. We don't pray for people at the store. We don't take risk in Jesus' name. Not, not craziness. Not, I'm not talking about, but being led by the Holy Ghost and being truly led in that spiritual way that says, I'm going to take a risk here today. Hey, man, man, it sounds like you're having a bad day. I'm, I'm so sorry. Is there any way I can help? Can I pray for you today? And, and taking that risk. She may say no. You say, no problem. I'll, that's great. I just want you to know I'm concerned about you and move on. Or she may say, you know what? Would, that would be great. Would you? I've never in all. And I ask a lot of people this question. I, I, this is something I practice. Uh, uh, I'm a preacher. I know I have special boldness and I talk to anybody. I know all that. But listen, God can give you that same boldness when you're walking in faith, right? To speak to people's lives. Recognize this is some, the enemy's trying to prevent me from blessing somebody and somebody getting a blessing from my trial, my tribulation, my, what I'm going through, right? So recognize that mind monster, rebuke. Yeah, 
He was rebuked and said, don't be, don't, don't listen to it. Don't be fearful. Live by faith, not fear. What well, next? Reject the mind monster. You're going to recognize the mind monster. Everybody say rec recognize. So in each one of our lives, we all have different mind monsters, right? Some of us carry mind monsters of our past. Well, everybody in this room knows. Well, Lord, if, if that was true for me, I mean, I have people in this church that change my diaper, right? Uh, or at least it used to have that people. They're uh, gone on to be with the Lord by now. But, um, you know, I, I was born and raised in this place. You know, prophets without honor in his own country, all that stuff, right? I get it. But understand, it, you've got to recognize these things. If you don't recognize it, then it's going to fool you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mask itself. So be aware of what your mind monster is. If it's fear, if it's self-loathing, if it's fear of rejection, if it's what is the mind monster that the enemy attacks you with the most? You need to identify it. What is it in your life? Is it your own self-doubt? Is it your mind that says, I'm going to disappoint people, or I'm going to fail, or I'm going to... Because these are common mind monsters. All of these that I'm speaking about, right? All of us have... Oh man, if they found out what I did last week, oh my God, then I'm so unworthy. I'm so, I'm barely hanging on. And I'm, I'm not, oh, I've been praying like I should have been praying. All this stuff. And the enemy uses it against us to prevent us from being true vessels of the Holy Spirit. So let that fall off you. Recognize what your mind monster is. Every one of us in this room have probably one or two mind monsters that we fight on a consistent basis. Let this mind be in you, which is also in what? Christ Jesus. Understand that your flesh is never going to go away until you die. And you're going to fight battles that you wish you didn't fight. Paul said in Romans, what? I want to do good and evil is present. It's part of the journey, your constant battle, your faith battle. So in your life, your mind monster needs to be recognized. So are you being a good steward of your mind? I want you to identify that. If you're online tonight, I want you to do this homework. I want you to spend some time in this next couple days and say, Lord, reveal to me what are the two things, maybe three, I doubt it, one or two things that prevent me on a consistent basis from being all that you've called me to be. What is the doubt? What is the thing that repeats like a videotape in my mind that does not allow me to overcome? Because I want to tell you something, folks. It's usually one or two things. If you can identify them, recognize them, now you can begin to reject them by name. Now you can begin to reject them through prayer, specific prayer. I rebuke the spirit of my past interfering with my future. I rebuke the spirit of disappointing my parents and therefore feeling like I'm going to disappoint everybody in my life. I rebuke the spirit of rejection because I had somebody reject me in my life that I loved very much and they hurt me so bad I now have a shield that I don't even let Jesus into. So I never let people in. I don't let them love me. I don't love others because I fear hurt. You've got to be specific in your prayers when it comes to mind monsters. Because these monsters, if you don't identify them, listen, David, watch, David knew who Goliath's name was, but he never said it. Hear me. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He called him a giant. He called him all kinds. He never said his name. I'm not suggesting that you identify these monsters and start glorifying their names. No, no. Start speaking against what they are, not who they are. It might be your boss, but it's not your boss. It's the spirit that your boss is carrying. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? It might be your husband, but I might be your wife. Don't be talking about them. No, it's a spirit that's attacking, right? So you recognize and then begin to actively reject. Someone put reject. Recognize, then reject. Recognize mind monsters, reject. You've got to actively do this. So I said this last week, I'll say it again. But, uh, you may scoff at this, but it's, it's truth. Um, the truth is, is that when you speak things that your mind is thinking, now your brain hears it and begins to form pathways uh, of understanding and belief based on what you say. Your mouth, what you say. That's why you overcome by the what? Word of your what? Testimony. Your words are very important because your brain hears what your mind thinks. But if you always are just thinking, you've got to get it out in order for you to overcome. That's why self-talk, people say, oh, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. No, self-talk is very important. I can do all things through Christ. I am an overcomer. Why? Because you're, you're creating new paths where the old paths tried to take you away from Christ. You understand that? Someone say amen. So you've got to do that. So reject the minds. Thirdly and lastly, replace mind monsters. Amen. Replace them. Listen, if you um, have had trouble, I'm going to give an example that I've dealt with recently. Um, if, you're having, if you've had mind monsters and uh, your family in their past was dabbled, right? They weren't even really involved, but they dabbled in Ouija boards and in, and in occult uh, things. And it just in a playful way, not really in a serious way, but you attended a few seances and you did something. Right now, this is, this is something that, that goes on uh, in our world way more than you would ever believe. Right? Witchcraft, it's amazing what in this society is accepting nowadays. So what are you? So you, you're saved now, you get redeemed, you know, fill the Holy Ghost. God delivers you. In, listen, God delivers your mind and your soul, right? I'm sorry, your mind, your soul, but He you still have to fight through the thoughts in your mind because God doesn't erase your mind, right? So you deal with those thoughts. And you can do one or two things. You can let those thoughts be glorified. Or you can let them be murdered, killed, put away, put in the grave. Because you're a new creature in Christ. So what's the, how, how do I do that? Well, you, you, this is how you do it. Remember we talked about practice? You stop practicing the things that brought those things to your life. You practice prayer, fasting, and interaction, and serving others. And you practice righteousness and goodness and all. Why? How do you do it? Listen. And this is, you know, you can, you can, again, you can poke fun at this, but I'm just telling you what I've experienced as a pastor helping others. If you're watching Halloween 3, and you're watching, uh, you love horror flicks, and, it, oh, it's just innocent, it's just no big, no, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not innocent. It's not that it's, you know, by the way, everything is under the name of Jesus, but it's about your mind now. I'm not talking about Jesus. He overcome them a long time ago. And it's no big deal. I'm talking about us as humans in our minds. And we allow ourselves to be focused on things that are unrighteous. What we listen to. What we watch. Hello? What we read. What we're influenced by. So you cannot hang around the cesspool and not smell like a cesspool. Try it. I promise you. We got my oil changed yesterday at an oil change shop. I was at a dealership and uh, I went in and man, that oil change shop, man, whew, my Lord have mercy. It, I, mean, I felt like I was swimming in Greece when I walked into the room. It was like overwhelming. It was like, whoa, man. It's like everybody in the room had grease on them. 
and and it was just like overwhelming. So I went across the hall and I went into the the uh, the new car area and they have a waiting lounge for their service and it was clean coffee and had a TV playing and it was all nice and everybody saying how are you doing can we get you anything and I'm thinking man this is such a dichotomy you know, between grease pit and it's just across the hall man why aren't pe why aren't these people going over here I didn't understand it so I got out and sure enough man I got in the car and I, I was like Oh my, I had to take that coat home and I had to make my wife, I didn't make her, ask her to wash it because it, I just it permeated, right? And that's what happens. I smelt like fuel and grease the rest of the day that I wore that coat and I, I went home and said, man, I hung that thing outside in the garage. I'm like, man, that is it's terrible, right? Because what you're around will get on you. It will affect you. Someone shout amen. amen. So be careful with what you're doing. So, replace them. How do we replace them? Listen to, listen to Joel 3 and 10. What, uh, what does it say? Beat your plowshares into swords. In other words, you've got to change. You have something in your hand, you've got to change what that is. Right? You have fear in your hand, you've got to start speaking and changing what that is and turn it to faith. You've got to remove the things that are what causing doubt and sin. Remove the things that cause negativity and and start replacing them with positive, uplifting things. And your prune hooks into spears. Let the weak say, someone say amen. I am strong. Are, by the way, are they strong? No, they're weak. He says, let the weak say, I am. He doesn't say let the strong say I'm strong. He's not, he is identifying them as weak. But he's saying your mouth... Your tongue, your words, will begin to help you overcome what you are. So you don't say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm poor, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. No, begin to speak in faith, not in fear, and start to replace them. Here are nine promises, right, to replace mind monsters. Nine promises. I want to go through them. Nine, nine promises. Number one, when I am anxious about some risky new venture or meeting or, or battle of unbelief with a promise God has given me. How many have ever battled unbelief with a promise that God has given you, right? Unbelief, because it hasn't happened, right? It hasn't happened as quick as you wanted or how you wanted, right? And we become uh, in a place of uh, stagnation in our belief. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. This is what he says. God is with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I, what? Will help you. I what will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I will uphold you. Some, uh, uh, you know, I we have recently been. Lisa, Sister Lisa has been fighting some health issues, and we were recently uh, in uh, Cleveland at a doctor's appointment, and one of the workers there were like, you know, how, how are you handling this? How are you doing all this? Because they know they read her chart. You know, she's fought MS for 20 years, and cancer and just been one thing it's seemingly after another in like big things right that cause life-altering issues and uh and, and my wife was just you know you know what i have faith in god that you know what he knows my name and he has a plan for me i just sit there and maybe and maybe cry um and she always has a smile on her face and i don't understand because i don't always have a smile on my face <laughs> but there's something about god in your relationship when you approach it in a way that it's uplifting, that it is something that I'm going to learn from, that God's going to, I'm not going to focus on the negative because there's negative in everything. I'm going to focus on what God's going to do, not what he hasn't done, right? 
So you have to believe that your eternal soul is the most important thing to you. So many of us, I'm going I'm to say this, and I say this to myself often. Too many of us, in fact, 99% of us, we think more about our fleshly comfort and issues than we think about our eternal souls. We do. I'm guilty. We're all guilty, right? Where we, we want God to heal us and touch us and fix this and do our bank account and make this better. And I think all those things are important. We need to pray those things. We have promises about those things. But God will never provide you a financial blessing at the expense of your soul. He will never heal you at the expense of your soul. I think often about how people um, have been touched and healed and walked away from God, never, to, never to, to serve Him again. And I often ask God, you know what, I know personally an individual. Um, and I ask God about, you know, what, what, why, what was that? And of course, He always tells me the same story. You know, well, they're creatures of free will. You know, and... and their heart was good, and I, I, and I, they had faith, and I, I delivered. But too many times we ask God for things uh, simultaneously. Lord, save me and heal me. And he says, well, I, I'm not sure I can do both. I feel that in moments and times. Um, Brother Super texted me yesterday and said, um, tell me how Lisa's doing. I said, well, honestly, she's, she's, she's been, it's been a challenge. It's been a struggle, but we're, we're having faith. He said, he says, I feel this, and I know this. He said, I just wanted to call her and tell her that, that God knows where she's at, right? Out of the blue, right? I haven't talked to him in weeks, you know. But God, and that's how you know these things, that God God knows your name. God knows where you're at. He hasn't forgot about you. Quit having a pity party. I'm really good at pity parties. I throw the best ones. I am so good at pity parties, right? And so are many of us, Right? And we can throw them in different ways. We can throw them by pouting or being proud. Or we can throw them by right acting like nothing's wrong or that we're all okay when we're not. There's so many ways you can throw a pity party. Um, it, 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 it gathers attention. It gathers all kinds of stuff. By not getting attention, you get attention. People notice that you're being quiet. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You ever had that happen, right? Right? Um, we've all been there. We've all been there. And I say come in this house glorifying God no matter what. I say come in into his presence with thanksgiving, into his gates with praise, and know that he is God, and that all things are in his hands, and that he will provide and make a way. But I just read to you a minute ago that there has to be an action on your part in order to find the peace of God in your life. Then the peace of God will come. And too many of us want it backwards. We want God's peace before we act. And God is trying to speak to us in this hour saying, listen, I've given you commandments. I've given you my word. I've given you examples and I need you to follow them. Seeing that we are compassed about by such a great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, the church, lay aside every weight and sin that so what does easily beset us. Paul wrote to them and he's writing to us. There's a cloud of witnesses. How dare I think I have it so bad that nobody's ever had it like me. <laughs> My Lord have mercy. You know what I'm saying? We must have an understanding that God has his best for us and that he loves us. And we got to just challenge ourselves to continue in his will. Amen? Someone shout amen. Amen. That was a quiet amen. <laughs> Someone shout amen. Amen. <laughs> Uh, not that you believe it anymore. Okay, number two, when I'm anxious about being useless and empty. Anybody been there? 
Where, where's my place in this place? Where's my place in God's kingdom? Where's my place in life? Where's my place? Why aren't I getting a better job? Why aren't I doing this? <laughs> why, why did I not get, you know, why did they let me go? All these things, right? Useless and empty. I fight unbelief with a promise. Isaiah 55 says this in verse 11. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not come back to me empty, but accomplish that which I purpose and prosper in the things for which I sent it. When God speaks into your life, I know, I know, delay causes problems, right? Hope deferred, the scripture says, makes the heart grow what? Weary, tired, frustrated, right? The scripture recognizes, God recognizes, but he also says, continue, keep the faith, press on, right? And that's where we're at today, knowing that there are things we're struggling with, but knowing that ultimately our faith and trust is in God. So when I feel anxious or useless, you've got to fight that with a promise. Number three, when I'm anxious about being too weak for, uh, to do what God's called me to do. I, I'm reminded of our thought, talk about, about, uh, about um, my brain. Um, <laughs> thrushing floor behind the wine press. Um, uh, oh, come on, somebody, help me. Carl, help me. Uh, Gideon. Thank you. Think about Gideon. You know, I'm the weakest among the weakest tribes, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. Who, are you talking to somebody behind me, right? Because I'm nobody. So I battle unbelief. Um, but I'm promised in 2 Corinthians 12, for my grace, God said to Paul, is what? Sufficient for you. And here he says this, not just my grace, but my power is made perfect in weakness. My power, God's power is made perfect in weakness. When we're at our weakest, he makes us strong. It's him, not us. And that's the point. Amen? Number four, when I'm anxious about decisions I have to make about the future. Anybody ever been there? Right now. <laughs> I battle unbelief. Right? We do. We, we battle fear. We battle uncertainty. Psalms 32 and 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. God has promised us that he will lead and guide us in all of our paths. Someone say amen. amen. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Number five, when I'm anxious about facing opposition, um, op opponents and things that are, um, are not uh, with me, or they're against me. Um, I, I battle unbelief with that promise. It, it, Romans 8 and 31. If God is for us, then what? Who can be against us? If God is, come on, let's say it together. If God is for us, then who can be against us? The, word, the key is there, who. And I'm going to tell you the who, it's us. Who. If God is for us, then who can be against us? It's love your neighbor as yourself. This is the same principle. The who is us. We are the ones that he has to, to uh, help understand these promises. Number six, when I'm anxious about being sick or battling disease, and we, we have that amongst us in this hour, we seem to be have rampant things from COVID to things we don't understand. There's always something new out there. Every day we can look at the news and they've got a new discovery in some place of some weird disease, something happening, right? We've got, we can't live in that fear. I have a person right now that I'm trying to help. Um, I talked all last month about, about the end time and how God is preserving us and helping us. And, and they, are, they are very, very 
I stirred something up inside of them and it was a fear that they have already received the mark of the beast. And I'm trying to say to them, I just got done telling you that the mark of the beast is not coming. And I showed them in the scripture. I took them back through that. And it still didn't help them because the enemy has planted a seed of fear. But I'm going to say this. They won't deal with it in faith. They're comfortable, I feel. And I told them this. They're comfortable in their fear. This is what they've always believed. This is their excuse for not being saved. I, I can't be saved because this has happened. So I'm going to live my life however I want. And, you know, and, it's, and that's not the way it works. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. So when you're in that place, you've got to decide that I'm going to accept God's word for what it says. Instead of let my flesh dictate and me be God... And say, well, this is how I feel. This is what I think. This is what, I, well, boy, this is not, well, boy, I don't feel that. Well, then you don't have the peace of God upon you because you haven't acted upon the word of God. Someone say amen. Well, Romans 5, a tribulation works patience and patience, what? Approvedness and approvedness, what? Hope and hope does not make us ashamed, right? So you have to recognize that we're always going to battle things in our sickness and our bodies because we're human we're flesh it decays it gets put away it's, it's born and it dies my doctor doctor doctor's appointment dr Cayley's, we're talking about some things he says you know you're not that old you're 55 but i want to tell you something that you're not 25 <laughs> he just he kept saying that to us. you're not 25 these things that are happening the, the the aches and creaks and stuff the plantar fasciitis this is because you're 55 this is not because you're sick this is because you're aging so stop thinking you're sick right you have a natural process by which and you guess what you can do something about it you can eat better you can diet you can you know that's what he said to me um, you know you can exercise more which I'm horrible at exercising <laughs> I, I you know I I, I you know, and so I get these aches and pains and think it's something. It's not anything. You're getting older. And this is part of the process of living and dying. So stop blaming God for things that are, are natural. Amen? So, <laughs> and number seven, when I'm anxious about getting old. <laughs> oh, boy, that couldn't have been more timely. Um, Isaiah 46. Um, how many ever, uh, I got some, uh, yeah, I've got some younger and middle-aged and some older and some very old. Um, 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 I, I tell you, I, one of the things I love about Brother Carl Davis is that he has played such a great grandfather to me, and I am so thankful to that. And um, he's uh, he's hurting. We were praying for him tonight. We're going to pray for his foot. It's not well. Um, uh, it's because he's getting old. He ran over his own foot, but um, <laughs> on his bicycle. Um, <laughs> I love that man like you wouldn't believe. Um, like a grandfather. Um, so when I'm anxious about getting old, I'm off track here. Um, I battle unbelief. Uh, Isaiah 46 and 4, watch this. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. Hear him. This is what he says. I have made and will bear you. I will carry and will save. So as we grow older, God hasn't forgot about us. God's not done with us. I find that people in their wisdom and, and, and do more, they think that they're no good, but they're, they're the best. They're, uh, they, they provide such great wisdom and things. So number eight, when I'm anxious about dying. Now this is a big one. Uh, thinking about closing your eyes for the last time and asking yourself, am I really ready? 
Am I, am I ready? Did I, did, did I do the right things? Did I do everything I'm supposed to do? I deal with this a lot as a pastor. I go to a lot of people's homes and bedsides in their dying moments and them begging me to tell them that they're fine and they're good and they're okay. And I'm not the one that can do that. It's not my job. But they, I always lead them to a place in prayer. And I said, if anything is true, God's word is true. And I have to trust because nothing else. If God's word is not true, then sin doesn't matter. You hear what I just said? Uh, so God's word is true. And so let's pray that you've asked him to forgive you. And he says he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, right? So he'll cleanse us and wash us and all those things. But it is amazing that as we're dying, the, the enemy loves to torment people. Yeah. Loves to torment people. I find it so disturbing. There's other people um, that I've held their hand dying and they're smiling, saying, oh, Jesus is so good, Pastor. I'm so, and, and literally die as I'm holding their hand and them telling me how good God's been. I've had that happen twice in my life where they spoke about these just, oh, I can't wait to see Jesus. They were at so much peace because they truly believed the word of God. They knew his grace was sufficient. I'm going to say it again. His grace is sufficient. What does Romans 14 say? None of us live to himself and none of us die to himself. If we live to live, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are what? The Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose again, that he might be Lord both of the what? Dead and the living. Oh, whew. I'm, I've got, I'm working on a message. Working on a message for January 22nd. Don't miss January 22nd, Vision Sunday. I'm going to preach about live, standing between the living and the dead. Um, and what God's called us to do this coming year and this body of Christ. Um, we got to stand. We're called to stand between. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Um, so, number nine, finally. And when I'm anxious that I might have shipwreck of a faith and walk away from God, how many's ever had that moment where you thought, you know, I'm not sure I have faith anymore. I'm not sure I believe. Is God really real? If you haven't had those thoughts, you need to see Liars Anonymous. We meet after church in the back. Because every Christian I know that breathes has had moments where they doubted their faith. And that's normal. In fact, I think it's healthy. Because it makes you find your faith. You've had moments where you question, does God know my name? Is he really, does he, is, is, is he? So when you battle that unbelief, there's a promise in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, and it says, Paul wrote, he who began a what? Good work in you will what? Complete it unto the day of Christ. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, Paul wrote, he who calls you is what? Faithful. He will do it. We find in 2 Corinthians, we must claim God's promises. Listen, either they're true or they're not. Either Genesis is true or it's not. Revelations is not true if Genesis is not true. If, if what happened on the cross is not true, then nothing that happened on the day of Pentecost is true. 
It's not, it's not partial. It's not sort of. It's not pick and choose. I love the spirit of the hour that says that it's, it's a nice story. It's, you know what? It's, it, it's, it gives us examples. No, when it said there was hail and brimstone in Sodom and Gomorrah, there was hail and brimstone in Sodom and Gomorrah. When it said there was a flood, it was water that filled this earth. By the way, every, every culture on this planet that's been around, Chinese culture, Malaysian culture, Aztec culture, we can talk about all the have a flood story in their traditions because it happened. It happened to them all because it happened, right? And when we look at these things, we must claim. You, it, the, the promises of God are there. I've been talking to the guys about the fact that we, Revelation... We've been talking about the, the doctrine of revelation and how revelation is necessary. It's not just a, a you, well, boy, I hope you get a revelation. No, it's a doctrine. You must have revelation, right? It's what it, it's an absolute of the scripture. So having that revelation, seeking God to into that revelation of who he is and what he can do and all these things of his truth and all these other things. Um, the revelation of God is not new. You can't say, oh, man, I got a new revelation. It's not true. There's nothing new under the sun. What happened is there's been a revelation all along. God is who he is. Same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's God opened your eyes to who he really is. You got a fresh new revelation that was already there, right? It just, you received it. You were in a place of receiving. For all the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, are what? In him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Don't let the mind monsters of the world take you down places that you don't belong. But that's your choice. If you let that mind, not all of us let mind monsters sometimes take us for a few days. I'm not talking about the struggle you might have for a few days. I'm talking about the lifestyle you develop. Amen? I'm talking about the lifestyle you develop because you're fighting and you give in and you listen to and you allow the mind monster to win the day. And you start developing your life around that fear, your life around that, that anxiety, your life. So your whole life is dictated by lack of respect or lack of, of faith or lack of, of, of all these things that we've been talking about. So don't let the enemy trick you. Declare with your mouth the word of God. Declare victory in your life. And get with other people of like faith that will help you declare victory together. Amen? If you're online today, I would just encourage you to go back and listen to the last of the other two uh, Mind Monster uh, lessons that I taught. And it will help you tremendously. Um, and I hope that you will do that. Tonight, I pray that this has blessed you. I pray that every single one of you have an amazing Christmas season. We are going to have a great time this weekend. we got things planned for the next couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do among us. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being here tonight. We thank you for your love and your kindness towards us. Help us to receive these words. Help us to not just receive them, but act upon them, Lord. Help us to move from our spiritual couches and move toward what you have already purchased for us on Calvary. We thank you today, Lord, for doing this. We declare it with our mouths. We believe it in our hearts. And we say, Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And let everybody shout amen. amen. God bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. And give you amazing and blessed peace. Amen. Good night.